Hello, welcome to Never Seen It, a podcast about movies that we haven't seen yet. I'm your host today, Betsy, and with me, as always, is Trent. Hi, Betsy. Hello, hello. (laughs) Oh, no. It begins because today we are going to be watching the 1969 movie starring the one, the only, Michael Caine. Michael Caine? (laughs) We're watching The Italian Job. The original. The original. So we have talked about the remake a number of times, as recently as when we did Glass Onion, because you drew some references, Mm -hmm. correlations to that movie there. Mm -hmm. So what is your history with The Italian Job? Because neither of us has seen the original, but we've both seen the remake. I love the remake. It also introduced me to a lot of actors that I had not really had any exposure to. Which, at the time the movie came out, makes sense because these were all kind of stars on the rise. What was it, like 2005 that came out? Oh god, something like that. I think so. Early 2000s. Yeah, so it introduced me to Mark Wahlberg as an actor, Charlize Theron, uh, Jason Statham, I think I hadn't seen in any of the Guy Ritchie movies yet. Probably not. Seth Green, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he's in that. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of, like, if this was, like, the first exposure I had to these guys. And Edward yeah. Norton? Edward Norton I had seen prior to that, I'm sure. Probably in Fight Club, if nothing else. Fight Club and American History X and maybe one or two more, but... And Donald Sutherland is also in it. And I don't think I've seen too many Donald Sutherland movies. Um, But yeah, just a lot of people that I never really seen in anything. But then again, in 05, I'm still kind of new to watching like modern movies. Um, I don't even remember like how I was exposed to it. If I like saw it on TV or I rented it with somebody or what. I have no idea. But I remember really liking it. But at the time, did you know it was a remake? I don't think so. So this was kind it's of a surprise to you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know there was something to do with the Mini Coopers. I knew that was an homage to something, but I didn't know it was another movie called The Italian Job. Right. It is not a shot-for-shot remake by any means. No, they it have, is. They, they modernized, modernized it, it a yeah. lot. So you and I are going into this original fairly blind yeah. because the only thing you seem to know about it is the thing about the Mini Coopers. Yeah. We can assume that the skeleton of the plot is about the same where they have a heist at it's the a beginning heist. Yeah. and then somebody betrays the group and then the rest of the movie is getting back. I don't know if that's true to the original or not. We're assuming. We're we assuming. have no idea. And then as far as the cast, literally Michael Caine. That's the only person that I know. Is the only person I know. And that kind of makes sense because I'm pretty sure this is a British movie. Like really oh, yeah. British. All Brits in, in the cast here. Which for you especially, late 1960s British filmmaking, yeah. I'm going to be shocked if there's anybody you've ever seen in anything. Most likely. <laughs> <laughs> and then other than that, Literally the only thing I know about this you know one line. is one line of dialogue. Yep. And not because I have heard Michael Caine say it, but because we love The Trip and all of the movies in that series. So it's yes. Steve Coogan and Rob Brydon just doing stupid impressions and riffing off each other and eating food. And for making, five movies. For 
Four movies. Four movies? Four movies so okay. far. Okay. <laughs> they keep saying they're done, but we'll yeah, see. Yeah, we'll see. They need, a, need another paycheck. But it's just every single time they find an excuse to bring up Michael Caine and do a Michael Caine impression. And the thing they always say is, you are only supposed to blow the bloody doors off. <laughs> and I know that is from the Italian job. Yeah. And if it's not from the Italian job, then I have no idea it what is. the fuck it's it from. It is. <laughs> <laughs> so there's probably somebody who is a little uh, dynamite happy <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think they're like doing an experiment on a, one of the cars and yeah the whole car blows up instead of just the doors okay then yeah but yeah i'm just kind of figuring late 60s london cool heist yeah. movie yeah you might get some like oh maybe a little bit of james bond style like early yeah. bond style in this and like the sexiness and like maybe even the campiness. I don't mod, know. Mod, a little bit of mod, a little bit of camp. Yeah. Yeah. I think we kind of have a sense of what we're going to see, but we really don't know. So with that, we're going to wrap up this intro. Go watch The Italian Job and we'll be right back. That was the Italian job. The original Italian the job. The original. What do you think, Trent? You know, it wasn't bad. When I have nothing to compare it to except for the the, the remake, the reboot, whatever you want to call it, uh, I, this was good. Uh, it was not as good as the new one, in my opinion. And I know that it's, it's harder to compare something that is that old as far as, like, planning and technology and whatever the hell else. But, yeah, I enjoyed that for the most part. Yeah, I had a big smile on my face for most of that movie because I enjoy, like, cheeky British humor. So do I. And that's definitely what this is. There's a lot of British jokes and humor. Britishisms. Britishisms. Yeah. And, yeah, I was kind of comparing it more to movies of this era. Like, I yeah. was drawing a lot of comparisons to other movies from this time. And you've In seen the... a lot more of those movies yeah. than I have. So, again, the only thing I have to compare it to is the 2005 remake of this. So, I'm going to be drawing on those comparisons. You're probably going to be talking about more of, like, 60s cinema. Right. If you think back a few months where we watched The Graduate yeah. and think about how that was filmed, how it actually looked, mm -hmm. these have a lot in common. This one and that one. I suppose, yeah. With, with like the like the long, long zooms. They did yeah. a lot of that in this. The dual focus. Yeah. It's not a lot of music. It's just people kind of walking around and, and driving around. And whatever music that is in here is strange. <laughs> yes. Like I mentioned that during one of the scenes during the heist, like it was like British country music. I could not think <laughs> of another way to describe it other than that. And we didn't know this before we started the movie. Yeah. Quincy Jones. Quincy Jones did himself. the music. Uh, and fun fact, Betsy found out Quincy Jones and Michael Caine born on the same day. Exactly the same exactly day. The same in day the same year. In 1933. So happy 90th birthday next month, you two. To both of them. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And then as far as other actors, I didn't know Benny Hill was in this. The Benny Hill. So if you want to talk about a real really 
British reference. Almost the most British man. There's one person who's probably more British than him in this movie, and it is Noel Coward. Okay, and I don't know this guy. So Noel Coward plays Mr. Bridger. The The warden guy. Well, he's not the warden. He's a prisoner. (laughs) He's a prisoner? We'll get to that. Okay, I didn't get that, but So anyway, he is a... An actor, a artist, a playwright, he was a man of many skills, but he is probably one of the most famous, if not the most famous British playwright of the, like, 40s and 50s. The one that I've seen is Blythe Spirit, where a man's wife dies in a car wreck and then comes back and haunts him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> or something. It's a comedy. <laughs> <laughs> of course it is. It's really funny. It, it It's just kind of that very British sort of humor. But yeah, Noel Coward. Th- there's a place called the Noel Coward Theater, like in, on the West End. Okay. He has theaters named after him. He's a very important figure in the arts in England. <laughs> okay. Uh, but yeah, so that's really it. As far as actors, uh, apparently one of the guys in the gang is Michael Caine's younger brother. Sure. Sure. Uh, I didn't really recognize anyone else. No, they didn't spend a whole lot of time on any of the other people in the gang. No, this movie is underdeveloped in many, many ways. Yeah. But it's kind of that style of filmmaking from this time, which is a lot of show don't tell. Mm -hmm. Like the entire last third is the heist and the getaway. Mm-hmm. And there's basically no dialogue. No, it's just Michael Caine barking orders at the guys. Yeah. And like a few lines from the cops and then they cut away to the traffic, uh, whatever organization. And they're sp- just going crazy. Yelling about, at each other. Yelling Italian. at each other. And the cops come in and they ask what the hell is going on. All those scenes could have been lost. They did not need to be there. They could have been trimmed down or edited out entirely. Sure, sure. <laughs> but yeah, like like you said, the last third of the movie is just like, it's a Benny Hill gang without it being like sped up and like crazy. Yeah, it's like, we're going to have these cars. We're going to chase and chase and chase and chase. Yeah. Oh, and let's have one more. Like, let's just see what stupid things we can make these little cars mm-hmm. do. And just have visual gags with cars. And you don't see that anymore at all. No, you might get a a chase, like a really good car a, chase. A car chase, a stereotypical car chase. But there's always dialogue thrown in. We have sure. to put in some dialogue. That's not how they made movies back in these days. If we were to ever watch the original uh, Gone in 60 Seconds, mm, yeah. it's like a cool 70 minutes and uh, I think 90% of it is Chase. <laughs> I don't think there's a lot of there's dialogue. There's a lot of car movies we could watch. Like Bullet is one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the original Fast and the Furious yep. is one. We uh, It's not a car movie per, per se, but one of the most famous car chases is in The French Connection. Yes, I've heard of this. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's a lot of... A lot of stuff, a lot of ways we could go with that. Yeah. But yeah, that's this kind of movie, and that's just how they kind of made movies in this era, where mm-hmm. we have a loose premise. There's a guy at the beginning who dies. He is killed by these mysterious men on a hillside, and we Ooh. find out later they're the Italian they're the, mafia. The Italian mafia. Which, if you think about it, in 1969, people's perception of the mafia was yeah. very narrow. It would have just yeah. been relegated to Italy. 
It wouldn't be right. in America. It did. It never got exported to. Uh, I mean, you I could mean, say did. just the East Coast, but it wasn't really known. Yeah, people globally weren't super familiar with mm-hmm. the concept of the mafia. So yeah. in this movie, when they show up, I was like, "What's with these dudes in suits?" <laughs> and then it kind of had to be explained to even me, who's a pretty avid viewer, that oh wait. These are the mafia. I just figured they were some goons or some bad guys. Yeah. Uh, The the fact that they are specifically the mafia was kind of lost on me. Uh, But anyway, they killed this guy because he has this plan for this robbery. And they feel like he is on their territory. So they're trying to yeah, threaten like him, basically. The mafia is, was going to do it themselves in some capacity, or at least attempt to. Or we just don't want it to happen on our turf. That's, that's, oh, the, that's so the long the and fucking, short of the it. The fucking Brits coming in to steal our yes! score. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, and they're going to use that money to build to build something. Yeah, they did say something about it, yeah. but again, it was kind it's of throwaway chi- dialogue. It's like Chinese gold coming into the country in order to build a car park of some kind. I think that's what they said. I have no idea because it was such a small part. It doesn't part. matter. It's it's just like we need a reason for $4 million worth of gold bricks to be in the country. And did you have a problem with them calling it dollars? Oh, I never even considered that. Dollars, because you're you're transferring Chinese gold uh-huh. to Italy that does not have dollars or pounds or anything. Not I don't even know what their currency oh, was shit. in 1969. Uh, lira? Lira, yeah. Yeah, they would have lira. And the Brits are talking like dollars. They're not say- saying it's the equivalent of pounds. Yeah, I didn't catch that. I don't understand but again, that. I'm an American, so it's that thing where but they made I expected. This movie, they made this movie for Europeans, I would imagine. They did. This movie bombed in the United States. I'm sure it did. Yeah, the, if you look at the poster that's on IMDb, that's the one that was released in America, and it's incredibly misleading. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. So yeah, it was it was advertised completely wrong, and people didn't know what it was. It's like yeah. it's a comedic British heist movie. Like that's sure. how you advertise it, but they didn't do that so it bombed in america could you tell me what it's what what it's showing what it's showing it's a a dude in a suit holding a gun and then there's a woman's back with like a a plan on her bare back okay so it looks more like james bond kind of spy thing yeah because that's about all that was popular that was imported from oh this is definitely definitely trying to cash in on james bond because that had been around for a few years which was still relatively new if you think about it yeah and i would understand that you know the beatles being very popular like trying to have this you know british invasion keep on going with other kinds of media and if they're if they're going to advertise this this that would be the way to do it definitely but going back to the plot of this (laughs) (laughs) so there's gold and they're gonna steal it so michael kane's character charlie is in prison he gets out of prison he's got a job and he's putting a team together and that's like the whole thing and the rest of the movie is just them getting ready for it and then them doing it And I wanted to point out the names here. So Charlie in the 2005 movie is the Mark Wahlberg character. And then Bridger, the guy in the prison, is the Donald Sutherland character, uh, along with his daughter. Okay, so a couple of the names carry over. The names carry over. The 
Mini Coopers carry over. Like, there's some scenes that are very... The Italian Alps, I guess, are kind of a thing in it. Yes, it is. And them, like, going through that tunnel Mm -hmm. is a thing. They're, like, going through a market. I think that's in there. A couple just of the shots with the Mini Coopers in particular. Yeah. And... I was trying to pinpoint if anything from the 2005 movie was cribbed from this, and there wasn't much. I've seen that, that the new movie a lot of times, so I think I would have noticed more if it was there. No, I think they really fleshed it out in the new one a lot yeah. more than here, but that's the difference. You have to do that in a movie now. If you made this movie like this mm-hmm. today, no one would give a shit. This would be the most boring-ass movie for modern audiences. Like you said, yeah, they've completely fleshed out the main characters, and they gave a backstory to all of the other people. Like, the difference between the new movie and this movie is that in the new movie, everybody's an expert in whatever they're doing. In this movie, they're all fucking idiots. Everyone's an idiot. (laughs) Yeah, except for Michael Caine. (laughs) Even he's kind of an idiot. (laughs) He's a horny idiot. Come on. He is. Okay. But in his defense, he has been in prison. (laughs) It's true. So I want to get into the the flow of this movie a little bit and just a couple of things specifically that I wanted to bring up. All right. So the movie starts at a prison and Charlie is being released. He's been there for two years and now he's getting out and everybody in the prison is just like, ah, let him go. He's, oh, he's going to go do this Italian job. Like they all know his business. Everybody sure. in this prison knows everything about yeah. everybody. And they're like, ah, fine. I hope he enjoys Italian prison. So that was filmed at a place called Kilmingham Gall. I have been in this building. Would you do, Betsy? <laughs> I Okay, in my defense, it is not a functional prison anymore. No, it's in Dublin, and they have used it anytime you see a prison movie that's set probably like late 1800s, early 1900s. Okay. It's nine times out of ten filmed in this prison because it is authentic. It was built in the 1700s, and it still exists, and that is what it looks like. That big open room is absolutely iconic. It has been in so many movies. And I didn't know this at the time. My friend and I were just in Dublin looking for something to do. And they're like, do you want to go see this old prison? A bunch of, like, uh, during the Irish Revolution, all of their big name guys were all held there. It's like, that sounds interesting. I like history. So, yeah, we did a tour. It was really cool. (laughs) (laughs) All right. A lot of moving stuff. They had, like, letters from prisoners, like, people exchanging letters and real accounts of what it was like to be in there. Yeah. But, yeah, it's now better known as being in movies like this. All right. Uh, Speaking of, we really need to go to Alcatraz. One day. I have been. It's very interesting. And I'm sure they've just improved it since then because that was a long time ago I've been there. I'm sure. I'm sure. So yeah, he gets out of prison and then we quickly find out that the guy at the beginning of the movie who dies in this car crash, basically Mm -hmm. he's driving around the Italian hillsides and then he goes headfirst into a parked truck and then they push his car over the edge and make it look like... Yeah, an like, accident. like it was an accident. And just this entire scene of him driving around in his, what, Ferrari? 
a Lamborghini. Lamborghini. It's, yeah. it's one of those Italian it was like a first, sports cars. First person, very like windy road. Oh, I got I got so I hated tense. that. <laughs> and like there's so many like curves around there that have no barrier whatsoever. No. Oh, I hate Mm-mm. that. <laughs> Anytime they show the Italian hillsides yeah. and just anywhere along the Mediterranean that has that, I hate it so much. <laughs> and it's all these like crazy windy roads. We yeah. have a crazy windy road like that here in south dakota yeah out in the black hills yep i've never been on it but as i understand it you have and oh yeah it, it's, it's like intense. this it's called needles highway and it's a lot of this like narrow mm-hmm. turns and like just hair, left and right it's hairpin turns oh, no, no, no. over over like big hills and like it's not like a very very mountainous region but you would you would die if you would absolutely die if you uh, drove your car over the, the the top of that thing. Yeah, they got a lot of that in Europe. Yeah, and when they do it in movies, I hate it. I can't I handle it. it. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So this guy just blows up and dies, but he leaves. I don't know how he knew he was gonna die. I Maybe think... there was some kind of like fucking trigger somewhere where if somehow he gets killed or somehow he shows up in the morgue, it immediately gets released to his now widow well i think she helped him film it she knew the plan and she knew what was supposed to happen okay and if it's going up against the italian mafia he probably knew the concerns and the threat i suppose so he had made preparations but again they don't explain any of this it's just this man who's just like hello if you are watching this i am dead (laughs) (laughs) hi charlie i'm dead and hello roger (laughs) <laughs> and he's yeah, talking. He's talking at him. Yeah. He's watching the video while eating food. And he's just like, I got it. All right. I do it for you, Roger. Do it for you. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just this weird one-sided thing where yeah. he's talking at the camera. Mm-hmm. But they do that a couple of times where they have yeah. home videos with audio. And so like later in the movie... People from his team are like sending reports back to the big boss. Yeah, they're doing recon for the big boss. And like, again, tell me, clearly I'm wrong here, but explain to me, I thought the guy in the prison was the warden or some kind of official, let me finish, some kind of official in the prison that he's tight with Charlie and I don't know, how is he able to like be out of a cell? So... We're introduced to him because Charlie gets on the phone and he is calling somebody in a boardroom and he says, I want to talk to Bridger. I got to talk to him. I've got a job. Yeah. He's going to want a piece of this. The next time, the next scene, we see Bridger and he is this old man in a smoking jacket going to the bathroom. Yeah. And the guys unlocking the door are two cops. Yeah. And I was at with you at this point where I was like, what's this guy's deal? But then I realized he is dressed like all the rest of the prisoners. So this is just a really high power criminal who finds himself in this prison. But because he has so much sway and money and authority, hmm. he owns this prison, which is why he's able to just kind of leave whenever he feels like it. And he has his own assistant and he has this massive room and he can march into the warden's office and say, you are bad at managing this. And this is my sacred time in the toilet. And you, <laughs> you can't let people in That's here. <laughs> the, that don't do not explain this 
at all. They're not super clear about it, but if you're paying attention, you can see what's actually you happening. You saying that here. makes sense to me. Yeah. I get that. But the fact that they like they I have to have it explained after the fact, it makes more sense in my mind that he's a corrupt warden. Yeah, it, it I've makes, seen Shawshank. It makes <laughs> sense, but I think that's the point of the scene after yes. he's in the bathroom. Yeah. There's a guy in a suit in a big office, and he goes in and he says, this isn't okay, mm-hmm. and I can tell that you are yet another bad manager of this establishment. <laughs> <laughs> I, I need to see the manager. <laughs> but he doesn't ask. He just tells yes. him, like, you've, you've done messed up. <laughs> yeah. And he calls him governor, which I would say is maybe another Britishism where they don't call him a warden. Right. Well, that's, yeah, the governor of a yeah. prison. I think yeah. that's That would thing. make more sense. But, yeah, so that's who he is. And at the beginning, right. he's not interested in Charlie's bullshit. So he sends some guys to rough him up. But then a day later changes his mind and he yeah, helps and like, I don't support even know the what, plan. What's that, what is that about? Why does he change his mind? Because he sees it in the newspaper. Like he sees a story and that's enough, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I really don't understand. I also don't understand how Charlie managed to break into prison. Yeah. And break out without being noticed. Yeah. The prison he just left. Mm-hmm. So... You're telling me you could have just left this prison anytime? (laughs) Clearly, because you broke in and then you got out again. Only when it was funny. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is is it. That's the entire setup. And then the rest of the movie is... Here's the team. They all have quirky little nicknames. This guy's Coco, and this is Roger, and this is... Yellow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. they just... They're going to be the drivers, and he's going to drive the bus, and they're going to have the fast cars. Did they make a dick joke with one of those? Because the black guy is named Willie, and he then he proceeded to say his actual name is Big Willie, as evidenced by his stature. I didn't get that, but I absolutely think you're right. I think they made a dick joke. I think they made a dick joke. Because he kind of flexes his arm to like draw attention to his physical size. Uh-huh. But yeah, his name is Willie. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, That's something I, think I noticed. Sometimes the British humor is so subtle or it's just like the <laughs> phrases they use. Yeah. Like they said something about everyone in the UK is bent. And I assume that has some meaning that I don't understand. I don't know. There's a lot of that, I'm sure, in this movie where if I watch this with a British person, they would explain some jokes to me that I completely missed. Because I'm not British. A lot of that stuff is just old. Like, there's some slang that Americans have used that haven't been used in 50 years. Mm hmm. Just in general? Just in general. I mean, I'm just saying in general, the language, it just drops it out of the lexicon and you watch old movies. It's like, okay, we don't talk like that anymore. Well, it's also happening every moment of every day. Of course. Think about what what people are saying now, like the phrases of young people in 2023 versus 10 years ago. Even on this podcast, Betsy, you said the phrase yeeting a baby into a fire. Yes. (laughs) And... 20 years ago, nobody would have known what the fuck you're talking about. 20 years from now, nobody's going to know what the fuck I'm talking about. That too. I had to have somebody explain to me yeeting when when it was first coming around. A young person had to explain yeeting. I am way out of whatever is (laughs) new and popular. 
And it just keeps getting stranger, so we just have uh-huh. to live with it. Uh-huh. Or uh, I don't. Or I don't. I just, I'm, I'm going to live in my ignorance. I love that for you. Uh, but the next part of the movie is just, here's the team. Let's get ready. We get the line of, you were only supposed to blow the bloody doors off. Uh-huh. And it is kind of a, a weird scene where I feel like there was maybe more to it than that, but they liked the line so much they didn't want to cut it. Maybe. I don't know. It's just like the whole sequence is strange. It is. Here's some people fixing up cars and they're spray painting the bus. And we have to go get the computer guy because in 1969, people don't know computers. Right. So we need this very specific dude called the professor. And that's Benny Hill. And he's just this freaky little pervert. (laughs) Yeah. He likes his women big. He likes them big. And he's there for like two scenes. Yeah. So he shows up. He's a little creepy weirdo talking about how he likes big butts and he cannot lie. And he has to be convinced to do the job by saying, oh, yeah, in, in Italy, in Italy, the women, the women, they're real big, quite voluptuous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when they get there. He gets in, he pops this little reel on, and that's it. And there's kind of a funny, like, physical, like, comedy joke, a sight gag, where he's looking for a screwdriver and he can't find it. So a guy kind of sticks his arm yeah. up between his pocket. And, and he didn't even need it. And he didn't even need it, yeah. So that was kind of funny. That was hacking in 1969. Just switch out the reel. Switch out the reel with a new program. On that reel was a program that is fed into the traffic system of this town. Which will completely fuck up all the traffic lights. And that's the thing. They don't even, and we'll get to it, but they don't even describe what that thing is doing. It just turns into a traffic jam without seeing anything other than the fact that they're fucking up the camera system too. Again, in 1969, this is technology that is brand new to the public like they've never seen a computer sure let alone on film let alone understanding what it does so you don't need it to be explained it's ah there's a fancy device that will do the thing we say even like that room like the traffic control center for all of the traffic in that city why would you need such a giant giant thing and with that with that many people I mean, I guess it's just to interpret all of the computer stuff. I don't know. I don't know. But that's in the in the new movie, isn't it? It is. Yeah. That's the Seth Green thing. He's sitting there hacking the traffic lights going, stop, He's go, actually stop, hacking. Go. <laughs> as opposed to just replacing a reel with a program. Yeah, because then Benny Hill like fondles a woman on a bus and gets arrested and we never see him the rest of the movie. Yeah. Why he is in this movie, I do not understand other than he is the most British person anyone could could think of sure also he he's got one of those baby faces where i'm like are yeah. you 25 or 65 i don't honestly know yeah <laughs> uh then the rest of the team inconsequential yeah they have nothing to do other than just say some quippy lines here and there and be british that's yeah. about it they're kind of morons yeah and we get introduced to the concept that the mob is on to them like, they show up yeah. in their little uh, reconnaissance video. Yeah. The mob is all around watching them. Mm-hmm. But they go through with it anyway, and they get there with 
all of their little cars and all of the this, the fast cars and the bus. They mm-hmm. make it over to Italy and immediately are stopped by the mafia. Yeah. They're, they're there in, for like two minutes. Yeah, they're in their fast cars and they're just kind of doing a dry run the day before it all is going to go down. They get stopped and... The main mafia guy says, you know, I know what you're doing here and I don't know exactly how you're going to do it, but you shouldn't do it. So we're just going to trash these vehicles that you came in with. Well, yeah, he says, oh, you had a friend who died here. Would you like to see how? Yeah, would you like to see how he died? Yeah. And they've got the big tractor thing and they just start smashing him cars. Betsy. The reckless abandon how which they treated this uh, the the Italian Alps with just littering, littering vehicles all over the place. Yeah, there's only one way to do these effects in 1969. You just gotta do it. We need a car to go crashing over the hill, so we're gonna throw one over the hill. And sometimes they're gonna blow up on the way down. That was so stupid, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) We need flames. There hasn't been enough fire in this movie. But yeah, they fuck up their cars, so now they don't have fast cars, uh, which was the backup plan if they can't get away with it. Right, so now it has to work. It has to work. They have to get in front of this big gold truck that says security. Very subtle, very Uh subtle moving truck. And then the plan is to put in this program... It'll fuck up the traffic lights, yep. create a traffic jam. Yep. They will get them in the piazza, not the square trend, the piazza. That's right. They're going to take the truck where they need it, mm-hmm. unload, and then they've got the gold on three trucks and mm-hmm. they make a getaway. And they also have, again, kind of a line about the World Cup is happening and it's Italy. Well, there's a game. I don't know if there's a, it's actually a World Cup, but it's maybe one of the games. I thought they said it was the World Cup, but maybe I'm wrong. But all I know is it's Italy and England. Yeah, there's a game going in on. In this town or very near it, which is why people aren't going to question a bunch of English guys yeah. running around. Yeah, because which is why they have this bus all decked out with England rocks or whatever yeah. the fuck they have. <laughs> Yeah. And they're all wearing little beanies and yeah, the be- the the ribbons and everything mm-hmm. else on them which would make sense. Just blend in basically. Yeah. And like they also introduce this one guy who was fucking up the cameras. Yeah, he's just this old dude. He just shows up. I don't know where he comes from. And he's got these wrapped up paper Things that we never see. It's and they're like beeping. Oh, you know what? That's the device I bet from the beginning in the video. The when the uh, Roger, the guy who died, he's like, "You will use this thing," and it's like this weird plastic case. Yeah, that's probably what it was. But we didn't really get a good look at it. No, but that's what it's doing. It's like beeping and uh, emitting this signal that's going to fuck up the cameras. And conveniently, there is a wastebasket right underneath all of the camera poles. Yeah. Trent, because it's the kind of setup they do for convenience sake. Technology. <laughs> so all of these concepts that are sort of beyond explanation for 1969, you just mm-hmm. kind of have to go with it. And everything pretty much goes off without a hitch. The cops try to stop them. They beat up the cops. They get the truck. They unload the truck, and then it's just this long chase sequence. And this whole scene of them, like, getting the armored truck into this, like, church thing is pretty intense. Like, I like this scene well, quite a bit of them getting it in there, 
unloading it, backing up all the Mini Coopers and loading everything up one by one. And just like the cops are outside and somehow they're using one of the the car transport vehicles as a battering ram. Yeah, there's a couple of details they don't really explain. So two of the drivers are driving big trucks that are transporting cars. Yeah. And they use those to block the intersection. So they kind of say something about it, but they didn't really explain that that's what they're going to be using. Right. So I was kind of surprised when I see these two guys hauling cars. Right. But yeah, they uh, just go ahead and use them as a battering ram mm-hmm. to get in. But the people in the square, like, chase them first. I don't understand what all of those people in a mob yeah. were, like, running towards this building. And what were they doing? I have no idea. Unless they were just pissed off about the traffic. Like those were the people who were responsible for it? I don't know. Again, it's very loosey-goosey. It's not explained. As long as we're talking about the traffic jam here, Betsy found out some information on the IMDb uh, trivia page about this movie. Oh, this is fucking fascinating. Uh Uh-huh. So they had to shut down real traffic in a real city in order to accomplish... This scene. Which isn't out of the realm of possibility in normal movies. You go and get a permit. Yeah. You have maybe... A scheduled time. You have the police block off traffic and you just are allowed your window of time to do whatever you need to do for this time. Within reason. Within reason, of course. But the long and short is... The city government did not want them to do it. They disallowed them from doing it. So instead, uh, some people had some fixers, uh, namely the real Italian mafia, shut down traffic, and the people in this movie are actually stuck in a traffic jam. The shots shots that you see of Uh a traffic jam is a real-life traffic jam caused by the Italian mafia for this movie. (laughs) (laughs) That's incredible. That's absolutely ridiculous. But you know what? Sometimes the mafia just wants to be helpful. (laughs) I guess, question mark? I mean, I don't know how well they are depicted in this movie, but hey. Well, they're just kind of depicted as dudes in fedoras, so I don't know. In suits. They look good. They all are wearing exactly the same suit. It's like somebody wrote a cartoon description of mafia Uh Uh and then just put everybody in the same outfit. It's a little bit weird. Yeah, and the dude with his, like, very Italian sunglasses... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, then there's this cool getaway scene where I love this part. They, they, what did they call it? The the over under where they're like, we're gonna go in through right. the museum and right. then down through this uh, shopping center and then mm-hmm. into the subway and then into the st- sewers and it's just we're on top of a building. We're in alleyways. We're going downstairs. We're going past a wedding. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I love like seeing. The 1969 of Italy, because you see it in the UK, you see it in the US. Just seeing the other parts of the world. Seeing other parts of the world, how it was. And the thing that I loved in this scene was all of the neon signs. Everybody. Of all of the shops. Mm-hmm. It looked like it was almost superimposed because it was just hanging down from the overhang. And you're getting the first person perspective as yeah. you're driving. Yeah, that was so cool. I want neon for our basement, Betsy. I'm not buying you neon signs. That's Buy a- us 
us a neon sign. It's also not neon anymore. They don't make true neon. Yeah, there's a huge shortage of, of the actual neon. Yeah, they use uh, fluorescence or whatever they call whatever it. Whatever it is, yeah. <laughs> That's still what I want, though. I'm not getting neon for the base. All right, I'm going to get it then. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and then you said the the tunnel sequence, that's real. Uh, they're kind of driving through a waterway, like a yeah. causeway. Yeah, it's it's also going through that drainage thing, which, which is another th- scene from the 2005 movie. Yeah, if there's any part of this movie that really carried over, it's the stuff from this chase scene. Yeah, with the cars and everything. But I, I like some of these sequences better, like them going through these waterways and like the, the causeways that like you said uh them driving up this like arena there's this wooden plank like ramp going up to the top of this arena they drive off in separate directions chased by a cop the cop stops in the center gets out of the car is confused is confused because they go off somewhere they disappear. where you can't see how could how could they be gone <laughs> <laughs> then they come back and they drive off the thing and he and his car doesn't start that's right and he's stuck on a roof yeah. That's funny, right? Yeah. They also do the scene where they go into the to the Fiat dealership and they park all three of yes, them. Yes, they have a whole <laughs> bunch of Mini Coopers in yeah. a row there and they yeah. just pull in and stop and they blend in. Yeah. And then they drive away. Again, this is just like visual gags. Yeah, the whole thing. The whole thing. There's, there's no dialogue. There's no writing. It's just, hey, this is a visual thing. Every once in a while you get a shot of like one of the getaway drivers saying, Oh, you you need to drive faster. They're getting awfully close. Like, it's just kind of throwaway improvised dialogue. And you don't even need to have that. No. Uh, They jump off of a building. Like, they jump building to the next roof. Uh Just ramp over. Uh That was intense. (laughs) There's also a motorcycle that crashes through a brick wall. (laughs) Ha ha, hilarious. I don't think that would work. Unless that brick wall is very poorly made. It's not a real brick wall trend. It's not that kind of movie. It's not that kind of movie. But there's a big chase. They finally get out of the city, through the sewers. The bus is waiting, and they're driving down, like, a highway. And yeah, they it's a have, straightaway. They have a ramp, and they have to drive up these little metal ramps yeah. into this hollowed-out bus. So all three Mini Coopers fit in there. But, of course, one of them is not very good at lining up the wheels, and they're just kind of hitting it. And earlier in the movie, they kept trying this maneuver and flipping and crashing cars. (laughs) Which, at the time, I was like, what the fuck are they trying to do here? Apparently, it's that. Uh, But, yeah, they're trying to do this maneuver, and they're not getting up the ramp. And, like, I didn't... Until you just said that, it didn't make a lot of sense to me. That's what I'm assuming. So... They they did say when they were do, when they were doing their their testing, they have to go up the ramp and then hit the brakes. So the the brick wall that's at the top of this test ramp is you have to be able to stop on a dime because there's another vehicle parked right in front of where you're gonna gonna be. So we instead have to fit of three you, of you, instead of you crashing into the other vehicle that's already parked in there, you have to stop on a dime. While you're going at full speed. Right. Because I would say, if you crash into that other vehicle, you might not be able to get the trunk open to get the gold out. You mean the boot? The boot, excuse me. <laughs> it's a very British movie. He also There is also a scene where he refers to the bonnet. Bonnet, yeah, the yeah. hood. <laughs> the bonnet and the boot. Yeah, the Those hood. are the two ends. And also the, uh, the bonnet opens up from the other 
end of the vehicle. Mm-hmm. I hate that. <laughs> I understand why. Certain cars are designed backwards, too. Well, and I understand why you would want that, because if for some reason the latch comes undone on your hood and you're driving, that thing is going to rip the fuck off. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> yeah. It's going to be great fun. So one thing I actually appreciated in the new version of the Italian job is they specifically call out the weight of the gold. Yes. The fact that if you put that many bricks, like they do it in this movie where they're showing them carrying the bricks and they're acting like it's really heavy. Because it is. Because it is. But those are not weighed down Mini Coopers. They're fixing them. So I kind of wonder if it's that thing they don't really explain. They do have a a tossed off line when Michael Caine is walking through the shop where they're fixing all of them up. He said it needs to be able to handle the weight. Okay, so they just... He does say it, but it's it's a very tossed off line. Barely explained. Barely. Yeah. And I think a lot of people could miss it entirely. So I do appreciate in the new one when they explain Mm -hmm. this this thing is going to sink. It's going to ride so low, it's never going to go fast enough. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So I kind of wish they had done that in this. But I see how they got to the new one watching this. Mm -hmm. I see all the little things where they were like, we could do that better. We could do that differently. Or like, this doesn't make any sense because of this. Uh, Instead, we would do this and that and the other. I I totally get that. And I appreciate them having another crack at it. Them, like the the filmmakers. The them. Yeah. They watched the first one and they saw, okay, these Mini Coopers would work, but let's make it that much better. Because, of course, in 2005... The Mini Cooper was reintroduced as a brand new model into the oh, yeah. U.S. Everybody wanted to have those cars after that movie came out. And Betsy? Yeah, Trent? I tried one out. I know, Trent. In like 2008? It was a real cool car at the time. The it concept, still, anyway. It was still kind of a cool car at the time. I like small vehicles. Quite a bit, just because I like to be able to whip in and out of traffic and parking spots and whatever else. Everybody around here where we live drives big-ass trucks and SUVs. For no reason. I fucking hate it. You don't need a big-ass truck like that unless that is something you need for your job. And even if it's something for your job. You don't need to go to the fucking grocery store mm. in a fucking truck. No. Anyway, enough of my rant. But I tried one out in the late 2000s. And Betsy, they're terrible. You hated it. The Mini Coopers drive like a lumber wagon. They're te- they have no suspension whatsoever. You feel every single bump in the road. They weigh 90 pounds and they could fall over I any moment. I hated driving it. <laughs> yeah. I drove. I didn't drive one. I rode in the back of one. When I'm I was, sorry. When I was in Europe. And I just had a, I had a struggle with it because I'm 5 foot 10. <laughs> Sure. (laughs) But anyway, uh, the movie, of course, ends. They're all celebrating. Somehow, I I don't understand this. Somehow they manage to get word back while the job is not complete to the prison, to Mr. Bridger, to let him know they did it. And everyone in the prison is celebrating him as this big hero because he pulled it off. Yeah. Yeah. All he did was, he's the money man. Well, they're also, like, hearing it on the news. 
I guess. One of the guys comes in and, and talks to the to the guy saying, hey, have you seen the news that he pulled it off? Oh, I I don't think he said, did you see the news? They're not like watching television. No, at least hear the news, maybe on the but radio or something. that's what I'm saying is how did yeah. they find out? It's a little nonsensical. And they're and like, just, they're in the UK. They're in, they're not in Italy. No, this is how before the age that, of cell phones. Yeah, how would that go over the wires immediately? Like I said, I'm finding plot holes. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, who cares? Who cares? But they're in this bus. They're drinking. They're celebrating. The bus driver's laughing maniacally and whipping shitties around these curvy roads. Oh, my God. They're driving around. And as they go up the mountain, they're pushing the Mini Coopers out the back to get rid of them. And once again, no other way to do this. Then shoving a car. shove them over a mountain. Down the mountain. And you're right. One of them explodes. Why? I don't know. Why not? (laughs) I just, I feel like maybe if that was planned, I mean, on the third one, fine. But if it wasn't planned, oh boy. It was the second one too. So it wasn't even like the one. I thought it was the third one. No, that was the second one. There was still one more after it. Okay. So it was just like one just sort of (laughs) falls down the mountain. One explodes. And then the other one is just kind of. How many cars did they trash for this thing? Three. I don't think they got more than one take on this. No, I mean, I'm not just saying on that scene. Oh, in the, the entire movie? movie. Because you had the test scene at the track of them going up the ramp. Mm-hmm. You had the cars falling off of the the car transporter vehicle. You had the one they blow up. Yep, the, one, the, the truck that they blow up. Everything in the heist scene and the following chase after. All of those motorcycles got mm-hmm. fucked up. Well, Fiat... Uh, actually donated all the cars. That was another thing I was reading. Yeah. They wanted them to drive Fiats, but they're like, no, nah, this is a really British movie. We need a uh-huh. British car. Uh-huh. And they're like, it's okay. We'll still donate a buttload of cars. <laughs> <laughs> and that's yeah. actually their factory they're driving around on top of. They have a track on top of the Fiat factory. Sure. Because, you know, you got to test them somewhere. What better place than right on top of your room? Not a lot of land in Italy. I get that. Got to go up, Trent. That's the whole thing about cities. You can't go out. You got to go up. That's right. But they're going up this mountain. They're dropping out cars. They're having a great time. And then the bus driver loses control and the tail of the bus is hanging off of the cliff. So you've got like nine guys in the back of this bus and a mountain of gold in the foreground. A very heavy Heavy. mountain of gold. And they quickly figure out that the gold is what is keeping them like kind of pulling them that direction so they go to the front of the bus and they're trying to counterbalance to get the gold but of course the gold keeps slipping and i'm just like oh no 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 and you are like there's only a couple outcomes here either they manage to pull the bus back up Mm -hmm. the bus goes over or you get the real ending, <laughs> which is this jackass hanging off the edge of a cliff, and we just zoom out. And, that's and Michael Caine says, "I have a great idea." End of movie. Cue song. Helicopter shot away <laughs> from the movie. Yes. Did this make you think of another movie, Trent? Uh, nothing comes off the top of my head. I immediately thought of the end of Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Yes. So the whole thing is these guns are worth a lot of money, and it is the one thing connecting them to the rest of the story. 
and they send their idiot friend to get rid of the guns and he throws them off a bridge. But as this is happening, they realize they're really, really expensive. They're worth, worth a lot of money. They're worth a lot of money. And he's about to go and destroy them by throwing him in a river. And he's already done it as far as we can tell. But he sees that they landed on a little ledge. Yeah. So the last shot of this movie, he is hanging by one hand off of the ledge holding the guns in one hand with trying, his cell phone in his mouth trying to answer his cell phone because his friends are calling him to say don't do it but he thinks they're calling to say get it done because right. they had to berate him to do it in the first place <laughs> if that is not and then freeze frame if at the end that, of that is not immediately an homage to yeah. this movie this very british be. movie a very british guy ritchie a, a movie crime, a crime heist type uh -huh, of thing uh -huh. which is guy ritchie's bread and butter you know, I think you're probably right. I don't I, think I might, there's I a might world have I'm to, wrong. I might have to read a little bit about uh, what Guy Ritchie's thought process was, but I think you're on the right track. <laughs> yeah, and they left it open-ended because then you can have a sequel. Well, and you could just leave it up to the audience. Or just leave it up to the audience. But it's funnier leaving it like this. Like, that's a pretty funny it ending. It is. Because you've got Michael Caine just saying, I've got a great idea. And then you don't get to know what it is. No, and you're just seeing these guys hanging off a cliff. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's this, like, wacky song playing that's, like, original uh -huh. for this movie. <laughs> yeah. It's very British. But I enjoyed it. I don't know if it's a movie for everybody because, like I said, there's not a lot of substance here. It's a very loosey-goosey plot, but, you know, it's sometimes it, it those are... It also takes a while to get going. It does. It takes a little time to get going. It's very British. It's, yeah. It, I understand why it's lived on, though. Why people yeah. 30, oh, God, 40-some years later mm -hmm. are still watching this movie. Yeah. Well, Trent, any other moments, anything else you wanted to bring up before we wrap this one up? Well, I mentioned it earlier... Uh, Charlie is very horny because his, his, because the girl who is picking him up from prison in a stolen vehicle, by the way, sure has a present for him at this hotel where he's meeting her at. And there are seven different women in their underwear in states of disarray <laughs> in states of undress waiting for him in this hotel room. And then we immediately cut to the aftermath of him exhausted. <laughs> yeah. We don't need the sexy part of this movie. James Bond does that, but we give you uh -huh. the aftermath and yeah, right. he's all disheveled and just like, Oh, <laughs> and it happens a little bit later in the movie too, because she shows up at whatever hideout that he has. And she's like chasing out three more women from his place. <laughs> and that's not okay because she's like, the other thing was a coming That was out a present. present. <laughs> I'm your girl now. God damn it. And yeah, the, she's just kind of sent away. He gets her on a plane to Geneva and that's the end of her. Yeah. Like, goodbye. I mean, I understand because the mafia is after them. And if it, if it goes bad, then she's going to be involved, even though she's not a part of the plot. Well, she was supposed to be one of the getaway drivers if something went wrong. Sure. But, but then their cars got destroyed. Their cars got destroyed. So that option went out the window. And yeah, I get why, why they sent her away. But excuse me. I also said, girl, she says bird. There are three birds in your apartment. Another Britishism. Yes. <laughs> and speaking of birds, uh, 
the Bridger character in prison was given a gift by one of the other guys there. He bought was, a magazine. It was a book or a magazine or something. And he got it for him because there's a picture of the queen in it. Her majesty, the queen. Yes. And he brings it back to his room where he has a shrine Like of a teenage photos. girl. Yeah. A shrine of photos of the queen. Yep. Like floor to ceiling. Yeah. Covered with pictures of the queen. And this is, you know... Fairly young queen at this point. 1969, but, definitely. But he is, again, it's just that thing to show how British he is. Right. Like he is worshipping this woman. <laughs> it's her majesty. Right. And he even goes on like a tirade about, uh, you know, those prisoners, they didn't stand and show respect when the right. anthem was playing. Right. And if they don't give them a talking to, I will let them know I will they be will very earn, cross. They will earn my ire. <laughs> But yeah, it's like this weird, weird little affectation that he has. But it's just to demonstrate he's very British. Yes. Well, anything else, Trent? No, I think that was about it. I enjoyed this one. I still like the new one better just because it's got better character it's just development. More fleshed better out. characters and it's funnier in, in my way. Like, I don't mind British humor, but there's just not a lot of it here. I wanted there to be more. You got fucking Benny Hill in this shit. <laughs> and he's there. He's a little weirdo. And then he disappears. He's a little pervert. Yeah, he is. Yeah. And then he's gone and we don't see him again. Nope. He gets arrested and he's never to be heard from again. No, I agree. Uh, well, before we wrap this up, we do have an email uh, about another movie that has a very not so fleshed out <laughs> plot. It's Shoot 'em Up. We just did that a couple of weeks ago uh, for just a kind of campy action movie. Uh, from Stephanie, she says... From the music to Bugs Bunny references, this movie is a blast. Gun pun intended. Ha <laughs> because Trent, it's a gun movie about guns. Ha. It is campy and absurd. The cast is all in, and this is really the only way it works. If Paul Giamatti wasn't having such a great time, we wouldn't be either. Also, the action is well done and very fun. The plot is dumb, the dialogue is dumb, but for some reason it just works for me. I love well-made, dumb action movies. There needs to be more of this stuff. And it doesn't have to have, like, big-name actors, as long as you get somebody you know, and you don't have to go in blind. Like, Paul Giamatti as the bad guy is an inspired choice. And he's and a nut job in this. He is. And just the the different things that he has been saying yes to. Like, there's a big joke online right now. And this will date this podcast, but I don't care. He is doing Verizon ads as Einstein. Why? We don't the know. The dude is doing ugh, this very bad impression of albert einstein for this fucking commercial campaign for verizon and it is just everywhere if you watch football it is everywhere well it's not unheard of that people who have been nominated for major awards show up and stuff like sure. this fucking jk simmons is still the farmer's guy he was before sure. he won an oscar he is since he won an oscar and that's fine but, but like, why i don't understand it's not Fine. If your problem with Paul Giamatti is why is he doing this commercial, you should have a problem with J.K. Simmons being the farmer's guy. I, it goes both I ways. I somehow don't have a problem with that. I don't know, but it's just ridiculous. It's probably because Paul Giamatti is playing a stupid-ass character, 
And yeah, I just, I, I can't get over the fact that he is, maybe it's because they overplay these commercials. Maybe that's my You're problem. You're just sick of them. That's your problem. <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway, step back to Stephanie's email. Uh, she finishes this week. I watched Blonde. It is not a great movie. Ana de Armas is great and probably deserves the Oscar nomination. However, the movie overall should be skipped. That's what I've been hearing about Blonde. Like, the movie itself is not great. It's ambitious as hell. It's another fucking, like, three-hour movie. But here's what I'm hearing about her specifically. It's one of those you either love it or hate it because it's towing that line between just being exploitative and campy. It's but either, that's the movie, not the performance. No, like her. Like, I saw a scene from this movie, and I was like, what the fuck am I watching? Maybe it's just taken completely out of context, doesn't make any sense. But it was a lot, and I've only seen that one part. Okay, I don't know what you're talking about, so... Well, look at it this way. She's been nominated for an Oscar and a Razzie the same year for the same role. I don't really put a lot of stock in Razzies, so... If it's the same role, you should probably at least figure that it is a divisive performance. Fine. I get that. I'm not saying one way or another because I haven't seen the movie. I am just repeating what I have heard and the general vibe I'm getting. Some people fucking love her. They say she is amazing in this movie. She does an incredible job. And then... I. You know, like you said, the movie itself, not good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it is it is her performance being better than the sum of its parts. And I've been comparing when, when we've talked about when Betsy and I have talked about this, I have been comparing the fervor around Anna de Armas in Blonde to Brendan Fraser in The Whale. By most accounts, The Whale isn't a fantastic movie. But Brendan Fraser puts in such a performance that it elevates that movie to a place that it shouldn't even be. Mm -hmm. At least in the conversation. You're yes. talking about this movie when you probably wouldn't talk about it at all. Except for the actor that is nominated. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Especially with Blonde. That's definitely what's going on here. Cause and and I, I say that less so about Blonde because it's about Marilyn Monroe and it's a big Netflix exclusive thing. The Whale is like a fucking indie movie through and through. Yes and no. I just, I keep going back to, I'm not convinced about her performance. I would have to see it. And I don't really want to. I don't really want to watch you this movie. You haven't seen The Whale either. I haven't either. More universally, people are saying good things exclusively about Brendan Fraser. People have a lot more of a mixed response about Anna Darmus. Fair enough. That uh, is I, I all. Will, I will give I will you that. leave it at that. I will give you that. <laughs> uh, but that is going to be it for this one. Uh, we are still working through our Oscar movies. We've got uh, quite a few more yet to go before we get to our Oscar special, which will be happening on Oscar Sunday. Yep. All the rest of the Oscar movies will be on Wednesdays. And then we're just going to be throwing some other movies in these Sundays leading into the Oscars. Yep. So if you would like to send us your thoughts about the Oscar nominations, anything that you think should have been nominated but didn't, anything that did get nominated that you think shouldn't, <laughs> <laughs> or dumb action movies, or British humor, <laughs> anything you'd like to email us Mini about. Coopers. What Mini are you, Coopers. What are your thoughts? We would love to hear from you. Email us, neverseenitpod at gmail.com. You can follow us on social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram, neverseenitpod1. 
We are also on Twitter, never seen it underscore pod. If you like this show and like what we're doing, you can also support the show by clicking the link in the podcast description and throwing us a buck. And then we can bring you more movies. Yeah. Be a sponsor. You know you want to. But with that, that is going to be the end of another episode of Never Seen It. As always, I am Betsy. And I am Trent. And we will catch you next time. Bye-bye.